so we're going to be continuing from where we left off last week. Uh, we're we're kind of diving into the Satan, demon, spiritual warfare discussion a little bit more. Um, like we like we just kind of chatted about. We we've we've dug into two big questions at this point. Um, can demons possess a believer? And and the and the answer to that question is no. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. Good. Can demons possess an unbeliever? Yes. Scripture seems pretty clear. We find multiple instances in the New Testament where unbelievers uh, have um, demon possession. So this is a this is a real thing. I don't think that it's that it's every person that we run into that's a that's a non-believer has uh, an evil spirit. I don't I don't think probably most of us have come in contact with that kind of um, that kind of situation. On a, on a daily basis, right? Um, probably most of the unbelievers that you know that are that are wild and crazy, that's just them, right? It's probably, you know, it's probably, it's just like we were prior to, to us coming to Christ. We weren't demon-possessed, or, or at least I wasn't. I was just me-possessed, right? I was dead in sin. So, um, so likewise, it's probably more likely the case that sinners be sinners, right? They'd be sinning. Every day, so um, so we don't need to blame that on demon possession every time we see somebody acting acting uh, crazy. Um, and then we covered the uh, we covered the who's after me. Clearly, that starts um, inward for us. James chapter one verse fourteen makes that crystal clear. Um, so another question that came out, and we're going to touch this briefly. We're not going to dive too deeply into this one. Um, just simply because there's not a ton ton of places um, that we're going to get a ton of info for this. So casting out demons. Um, clearly, here's what I here's where I want to here's where I want to start with this. Um, clearly, we find in the New Testament demons being cast out primarily by Christ, also by followers of Christ in the name of Christ. Right. Um, so the debate would come here. So here's what we say. In the New Testament, especially early church era, clearly it wasn't only Jesus who was casting out demons, right? But all demons were being cast out in the name of Christ. So, so Christ and the followers of Christ um, were capable of casting out demons. Now we do find instances where they're struggling with this, right? Um, and, and Jesus kind of is like, hey, these things require a lot of prayer, guys. Um, so as we press on into like the church, the age of the church, and we get to our day and time now, like what kind of prevalence should we should we expect to see with the casting out of demons? What should that look like? We don't get a ton, right? And this is this is why I say that like um, probably if you come in contact with somebody and you're like you're maybe suspicious that there uh, is some amount of demon possession there, like follow the. I would uh, here, here's what I would say. It's it's not it's not um, unlawful for you to follow the pattern that you find believers in the New Testament following, right? So like if you were to be like in the name of Jesus come out. You know, like, hey, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, um, you're not casting out demons under your own power. The reality is, is that any, any time someone were to be in a in a place where they were to to be under a state of like actual demon possession, it is only God who's casting that out. Um, so, with that in mind, preach the gospel, right? The same the, the same gospel that saves sinners. Um, 
by the by the nature of the Holy Spirit indwelling, cast out any any evil, evil spirit. So, like, let the focus be on the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Um, you know, like, I don't think that every time that you preach the gospel or take the gospel out that you that you need cast out evil spirits, right? Um, there may be times, right? There may be times, and, and I would say that you'll that it's that those situations you'll probably know it when you get there. Right, um, but when you do find yourself, or if you do find yourself in that type of position, stick with scripture, stick with the gospel. Don't do what you see in movies. Right, you don't need special water to toss on people. You don't need, you know, like 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 incantations. This is you, preach the gospel. Right, preach the gospel. If you find yourself in that situation, stick close with Jesus. Preach the gospel. Be faithful to God's word. Um, the Holy Spirit will do His thing. Um, so n- another question that that we that we have that we haven't yet answered is: Can sickness be spiritual in nature? Um, so I want us to flip um, to a couple of places here. First, let's flip to the book of of Job. So flip with me to Job chapter two. So when we're thinking about can sickness be spiritual? Job chapter two, uh, verse four through seven. Um, we're we're going to see here. So the answer is going to be yes, right? The answer is going to be yes. What this does not mean, again, is that every time you're sick, that does not mean that it was Satan giving you that sickness. Sometimes you just got germs, right? Like, like that's reality. Like you got the flu. Don't blame it on Satan. Blame it on your neighbor who didn't wash their hands properly. <laughs> um, so, but, but again, just like demon possession is likely not the norm, so too um, sickness, like this spiritual sickness that we're going to see here, is likely not the norm. But that does not mean that it's not possible. That does not mean that your ailment does not have a trial aspect to it, um, we find in Scripture clear evidence that this can take place. Um, so again, like precedent to set forward here, um, pray God move. Pray God heal, right? Like, like that would be, if, you were, if it were Satan who were giving you um, skin issues, or if it's just you got, you know, like some bacteria, um, Pray to the same Lord either way, right? So that's kind of so. So preach the gospel. Pray to God for um, Him to move, and then let the mechanism not necessarily be the thing that concerns you the most, right? Like how how you got it or why you're you're this way. Um, so Job chapter two um, verses four through seven here. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "Skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life." But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So can sickness be a, have, have spiritual origins? Absolutely, scripture, scripture, scripture shows us this. Now, here's a couple of things that I want us to take note of in this in this text. Here is that even spiritual sickness has limitations placed on it by who? So, God in verse six here speaking to Satan. So, the Lord said to Satan, "Behold, he's in your hand, he's in your hand. Only spare his life, right?" So. 
So here it is, Satan's coming again. Like, yeah, but if you make him sick, man, he'll 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 turn on you like like that. And God's like, I'm gonna give you some room here, but there's limits, right? So like, who's in control? Even though Satan's doing this work of bringing this sickness upon him, who's the one who's allowed this to happen? God's allowed this to happen, right? And God sets the boundaries by which. So in the event that you find yourself under that type of, that type of situation where there might be, like, there might be some type of spiritual working bringing upon this illness upon you, don't, don't be fearful because the God who's in control of all has set the boundaries of that, right? Like, who's, who's ultimately in control of Job's situation here? Is Satan? No, no, not at all. God is in control. God is setting the boundaries by which Satan himself cannot go beyond, right? So even with the sickness that he brings upon Job, he's limited, right? Limited, not, in his, not by his own self, but he's limited by the God who is in control of all things. And he doesn't get his, like, in the end, his end goal isn't achieved. The opposite happens, right? Like the person God, Job praises God. Yeah. And so so it it doesn't work out in Job's favor in the end, or in Satan's favor. Yeah. So so who wins? God. God wins, right? Now, arguably Job wins. I mean, it's like like with every story that we see here um, in Scripture, it seems like God always wins. Um, in the midst, you might not feel like you're winning, right? <laughs> like when you got balls on your feet, it's not like it's not like you're thinking to yourself, "I'm sure glad God limited the reach that Satan has here," right? <laughs> it's like you're scraping yourself with pots. You know, it's like this is this is bad, right? To the point that you would probably want to die even, and yet still, the faithful know who's in control, right? Like we understand, no matter how bad it might be, that ultimately the God who who thought of us before we were friends and family, the the God who thought of us while we were His enemies, right, is in control. Right, He's in control of this. So we trust and we rest, um, even in these things. So what do we do if we feel like we're um, being? Um, Tested or, or, or we're being um, tried spiritually by some kind of ailment is we we pray, we seek God's faith. You can ask that God free you from this sickness and ailment. Like please, like like He's the only one who can, right? So like I'm not saying that well God sent it to you. You should not ask that He be removed. Like please pray that He does, but. Even in the moment that you're praying, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what He's working in this for you. The good that He's working this too. Like, don't lose faith just because He says no now, right? And you, and that doesn't, just because you get a no today doesn't mean you need to stop asking, right? Like, continue to pray for healing. Even if you get a no, you know who the one is that you cry out to, but you rest in that knowing that He's in control and He has the best for you, right? Um, and seeking in those trials, in those tribulations, and this is the hard part, seeking, Lord, how is it that this 
sanctifies me, right? Like, we don't want to think like that, right? Like, we want to think that God sanctifies us only in the good. But in those trials, in those struggles, God is sanctifying us. And a part of that is shaping the way that we think about trials and think about struggles. So that we're thinking in the midst of this, as we're scraping these the skin disease from us, as Job is doing here, and it's 100% coming from Satan, that in this, how, Lord, can I... Like, how can I see and know what you are doing um, and, and, and this change who I am, right? Like, how does this get to the, to the inner person of me to, to shape and conform me into uh, the image of Christ as, as believers? That's what we should be seeking after. Um, so Job, or excuse me, flip now to, um, if I wrote this down right, I think John chapter 4. It may be John chapter 9. It's tiny writing. We'll see. <laughs> I feel like it's John chapter 4. We're, we're going to roll the dice on this one. <laughs> so John chapter 4, verse 2. Hold on. This may be wrong. I may have this. I may have wrote this one down wrong. Let's try John chapter nine, just in case. So, <laughs> what happens when you write your notes and you don't have your glasses on? <laughs> uh, John chapter nine, verse two. Uh, I think you're looking for chapter. Ah, yeah, it's nine. It is. <laughs> that was a nine. Now, upon reflection. <laughs> <laughs> John, chap- John chapter 9 <laughs> verse, We're going to start in verse 1 uh, As he passed by and saw a man blind from birth and, and his disciples asked him Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents That he was born blind? Jesus answered It was not that this man sinned or his parents But that the works of God might be displayed in him and now this is a hard one too, right? Like when we think about this, like we think about like sickness in general. We think about like we see Job. We see like a clear case of like spiritual, like in like this is inflicted on him, and it's coming from the hands of Satan himself. Um, so we said, like, how are we supposed to think about the ailments that we have? Like, are we supposed to always attribute those? Like, like, is this some kind of like spiritual thing? It could just very well be a natural thing. And then here we find this this example in Scripture where the followers of Jesus ask this ask about this man's ailment that he's had his entire life. Um, he was born blind, and they asked, like, what's the what's the root cause of this? So, like, would we say that he was spiritually attacked from birth? Like is this is this the same kind of thing that we find happening over in in Job? Here, they say, "Who sinned? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Why was he born blind? What was Jesus' answer here?" Yeah, so it wasn't that he sinned. It wasn't that his parents sinned, but he was born blind that the works of God might be displayed in him, right? How difficult is that for us to fathom? That the the ailments that we may find ourselves with, God intended for us so that he could be glorified by them. Let's be real that that's a difficult thing, especially if it's you that's blind, 
Right? Like it's easy for me not being blind to say, hey man, let God glorify you in that. Right? Right? It is. But here's the thing. Like, like, what if it's us with cancer? What if it's us with that disease that's going to take our life and we feel like it's taking us short? Like, like does this truth still hold there? Right? For an unbeliever, they're going to be like... Yes, God's not fair. God's not good. God's not kind. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Is that it doesn't matter how healthy you are, you die. Right? Like, let's be real. So, like, what do these ailments do? Except for shift our mind to the temporary nature of the life we live. Right? Let us... Yes. Yes, right? Like that's the danger though. Like like we think we think that a God who allows struggle is not good or kind, right? Like but he is. Right? And this is what, this is where we have to let the reality of what God teaches us about Himself in His Word speak louder than our emotions in the moment. And that's why, that's why whenever, like, whenever I think about this and I think about, like, like, the things that, like, are the most visceral to us, that we feel the most, is when we feel like someone didn't get the time they were owed. And I'm, I'm air quoting owed, right? So, like, children dying young, like, that strikes us much harder at our heart of why than someone who dies when they're 110 and they've been in the nursing home for 10 years. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Austin was a good Christian, so he took him one yeah. to take him to heaven. Yes. And you have to understand that, that God, God means little angels too. So, so we don't understand and we will never understand all the whys, right? Like that's the reality, right? Like I, I buried my daughter and I, I don't have all the whys together, right? Like, we've all been through struggles that we don't have the wise to yet. Yet, yet, the thing that we must rest in is God and His character and who He is and what He says, right? Because there's, there's, a, there's a couple of ways that we can look at this. God does not exist, so why do we even care? Because we're just matter in motion, right? Like, that's one way that you could hold to it. But then everything that's in you says something like that's not that does not feel right even even if you're lost and you believe that there's a there's an aspect to that that it's like why is it that death concerns you so much then if you believe that we're just particles in motion 
and chemical reactions, right? And then on the other side of the spectrum, we believe that there is that there is something beyond the grave. And if we believe that, then if I let, if I close my eyes at forty, or if I close my eyes at a hundred and forty, like I'm I'm still my if 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 God is who He says He is, right? Like I'm not dead. Like my physical body might have passed, but my spirit lives on, right? Like I've I've found the hope that that we all claim to hope for. Of course, we all want to live a little bit longer because there's that there's that like that veil that we can't see past that we don't know what it's like that that we know this is so comfortable to us because we've lived in it so long on this side and we just just give me one more day kind of thing. But it, it, you live long enough. I've, I, I, you know it, but still there's this like there's this hesitation, right? Like because we don't know exactly and we like to know exactly. So even though we trust, we have this part of us that's like, I'd like to have another day. Like I'm not gonna lie to any of y'all and tell y'all that I want to close my eyes tomorrow and not see my kids grow up or anything like that. Yet, yet, as believers, we have a hope that surpasses any worries or concerns that we might run into, right? So we have this reality. We know this to be true. That the things that God allows to come to us are for His glory, for our good. Right? So that's a backstop for us as believers. Now, if you're uh, if you're not a believer, like you can't have that. You're going to have to come up with a better answer if you're if you don't believe that that there is a being who's made Himself known to us in in His Word and and in person like Jesus showing up on earth dying coming back like like if you don't hold that and you you got to come up with your own answers right like but we believe that Jesus the testimony about him that's been passed along to us and as that we hold and cling tightly to his word and because of that we have a hope that his character that, that his character holds true even when we're going through struggles. And, and God's Word gives us sufficient reason to believe this, right? Like God's Word does not say to us, and this is some, so many times I think we, we, we've, heard, we've all heard this to some, to some degree, like that life's supposed to be easier when you're a believer, like you get, you get to be a believer and now there's no struggles because God loves you, right? Like, how, that's, like you may have heard that when you were first a believer and you figured out really quickly after that that life happens in, in spite of your belief or unbelief. But here's the reality. Those who would preach that type of message don't hold to what Scripture seems to say. Scripture gives us hope in the midst of our trials. Uh, very much, uh, very much so. Um, so when we think of spiritual sickness, when we speak, when, when we think of um, sickness and the nature of that sickness, um, I think Scripture gives us um, evidence that it could, in fact, be a spiritual attack. I think that uh, that that that. Um, it could very much just be a natural occurrence. You, we just get sick because, hey, germs. Um, thanks, germs. Um, and then there, there are things. Here's what I would say about all aspects. Everything that could happen, what we know to be true about these things, is that God is for us. Um, and, and our situations are not necessarily because of our sins. That's not to say that we don't get ourselves into bad situations because of our sin. Um, but you, you're not necessarily blind because you or your parents sinned. Like, like God's, got, God's got good intentions and God is a good God um, who is for you believers. 
<laughs> we have bacteria in our stomachs. It's good for us. <laughs> so the next question as we go along here, um, which kind of feeds off of the one that we're just kind of stepping out of, is um, the idea that if you're not struggling, you're not close to God, right? Like, So there's, there's the one aspect that it's like, if you're a believer, you shouldn't be struggling. And then there's the other side of that spectrum where people... Or uh, hold to the idea that if you're not struggling, then you're not close enough to God. The idea that Satan doesn't mess with you if you're not, you know, whatever. Um, so what does Scripture say uh, to this idea about struggle? We're going to dig in a little bit more here. Flip to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. That's such a subjective idea. It is. Like, what is yeah, right, right. <laughs> Right? Like, does my struggle have to be super bad? Like, do I have to be... Yeah. Yeah. Like, is is it like, I got the flu this week, and we would consider that struggling? Because here's... The, it, it tends... Those who would hold that tend to hold arbitrary lines of that, too, right? Um, so is it like flu or cancer? Like, is there like a... like Or it's just like, hey, I had a, I had a headache this morning. Like, would we, like, is that spiritual struggle? Like... You know, like, we contextualize struggle to where it's like... And that leads you to comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not struggling like me, so I'm closer to Jesus because I'm struggling harder today. Um, And that's not necessarily the case, right? Like, you may be struggling and far from Jesus, right? And you may not be... You may not be struggling and be close. The devil's after me. <laughs> He's after me because I was about to, I was about to do God's work or you know some. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just that we notice, like when we're in revival services or we're focused on like gathering together believers or to strengthen them, we notice. Yeah. Trials and struggles more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that subjective nature to struggle. Like, like you may, you may as a believer, like certain things, I might not consider it struggles, while another believer considers it struggles. Right? Like, there might be certain certain things that, like, two believers could go through simultaneously to the same degree, and it affect them differently. Right? It's like, who the yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So when we think about struggle, when we think about how that, how does struggle reflect um, our our spiritual state, right? As a believer, I don't think that your spiritual state. And your struggle necessarily coincide, and I don't think that Scripture gives us um, good support for the closeness that you are to God dictating the particular situation that you're that you're dealing with today. Right? As a believer, for me, I find myself in the Word more. Yeah. True. Yeah. More and more. Yeah, so for sure. So like like the closer and and that's that's 
Like, if you want a better indicator of, of where you are in your relationship with God, don't let it be your situation. Let it be your relationship, right? Yeah. Like, if, if, I'm, if, if Adrian and I are struggling financially, that does not ne- necessarily mean that her and I are not close together, right? Yeah. That we are not close. So, like, the situation that we might find ourselves in does not dictate the, the state of our relationship with one another. So, too, if we're in a relationship with the one who called us from death to life, then our situation does not speak to the state of our relationship. Our relationship speaks to the state of our relationship. So are we in communion? Are we in the Word? Right? You, am, I, am I close to God? If you're asking that question, if you're asking that question, you're not as close as you could be, right? Like because people who are seeking, striving, running, that tends to not be the question that's at the forefront of their thoughts, right? So like, I want, so I want to, I want to give us an example in Scripture to where we see that that those who are called faithful find themselves in, in polar opposite situations, and this is for God's glory, right? So Hebrews chapter 11, um, we're going to look at 33 through 40. So you could go, like this is the hall of faith, the chapter of faith. You could go back to Hebrews chapter 1, and you could get all the named individuals and all the situations that they go through. I feel like 33 through 40 gives us a very like compressed view of both sides of this, all believers, all faithful. I think um, something that all believers need to remember is the story about Christ coming the storm. Yeah. You know, he said, be still, you have little faith. Yeah. I think if we try to remember that when we're going through struggles, it might bring things at a little more ease. Yeah. yeah, so like as we're going through the, the storms of life, and note, note how even like in, in that, those particular cases, that he doesn't say, you don't have faith, so I'm not going to calm the storm, right? Like it's not their, it's not their level of faith that does away with or doesn't do away with the particular storm. It's God's desire in that moment to take a particular action. If he desires to sleep in the midst of the storm, he sleeps. If he desires to get up and stop it in a word, he gets up and stops it in a word. Right? It's not they were in the same condition when he was sleeping that they were when he spoke. Yet his timing and his actions called caused reactions out of them. Right? So like God moves when God desires to move, and he's wise in that, good in that, right? Powerful in that. And he's, he, he moves when he moves because it's the best time to move, right? That's what happens when you're an all-powerful God and you're all-wise and all-knowing is that you know when to move, you know how to move, you know the best way to move, and you know how powerful to be in the moment that you move, right? So like that's, it's, it's not the situation of their faith in that moment. It's the God who decides to move when he desires to move. So here we find in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 33 through 40 here. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to back up to verse 32. And what more shall I say? 
For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. So through that, would we consider all that like good things? Like these are the th- we want to be on this side, right? These are believers. This is faithful. We want to be on this side. These are things that we would like if we were looking at situations. We would look at them and be like they're close to God. I'm air quoting it, right? Because when we get the flip side of this, they were they were likewise close to God. They're mentioned for their faith, not their situation, right? So we find those putting armies to flight, conquering kingdoms, enforcing justice, obtaining promises, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching fire, escaping sword, like all the good things, and they were faithful. And in verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Who wants to be tortured? Who wants to find themselves there? Right? Like, who wants to find themselves there? Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Who wants to suffer mocking and flogging? Who wants to be in chains and imprisoned? Verse 37, they were stoned. They were, sl- they were sawn in two. Who wants to be stoned? Who, who wants to find themselves sawn in two? Yet, what do we know about these that we're, that we're reading about here? These were faithful. It was not their closeness to God that determined their situations. Right? So they struggled. Some struggle. Some of us will find that God has set out a life for us that will be nothing but struggle. Others will find that God has set out a life for you that will have struggle and will have good. Others will find that it was the easiest life. God is wise in determining our paths. God is wise. And when we get there, here's the reality, is that when we get there, we will see both sides. And we will glorify God for the moments that He quenched fire and shut the mouths of lions. And we will glorify God for the faithfulness that He had in His people when they were being sung in two. Both He will receive glory for. Think about that. We, we champion the champions. But our heart cries for the underdog. Right? When you're sawn in two, faithful to the end, glory be to God because the only way that we are faithful in those types of trials is if He is faithful to us. Think about this. So when we're in those moments, when we're in the good moments, when we're winning in our minds, let us glorify Him because we win only in Him. Like lasting victory is only found in Him. Right? And when we find ourselves being run off, when we find ourselves being beat down, let us hold to Him. Because if we give our lives to this, He raises the dead to life. Yes, right? Like they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. 
wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us apart from us that apart from us they should not be made perfect we stand like the 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 faith that these have that he's testifying to here did not did not know did not see could not fathom the hope that we as believers today know Right? If you're a believer today struggling with death, whether it be cancer, whether it be some other affliction, you have a hope that the ones mentioned in chapter 11 here could not even fathom. Right? Like they, they were called faithful prior to the cross. Yet they stood because, because what? They held their faith in the one who is faithful. Right? Old Testament saints were believers in the God who made promises, kept promises. New believers in the New Testament in our age were believers because we believe the God who makes promises and keeps promises. And we know to the extent by which He keeps those promises. Right? Like we know this in ways that they could not fathom. Think about the biggest hopes that you would have. Right? The biggest hopes that you would have. And you see this throughout the, like the time of the Jews, like, as their, as their understanding of what the, their hope that they had, that they held to looked like. And as that kind of morphed throughout the years. And then you see what happens in the cross. You see the, the falling away of many of the Jews because they could not understand what was taking place. They were not looking for a Savior like the Savior that was sent to them. And now we look back on this generations after the, after the resurrection and we see God moving and His kingdom coming and His will starting to be done in the hearts of His people throughout the world. And we see that He's been faithful to that. How can we not, when we find ourselves in the good times and in the bad times, how can we not, like, should we not consider ourselves more blessed in what we know about the plan of God than those who were prior to the cross? Right? Like, if you were giving your life and you were Old Testament giving your life to this thing, like, yeah, maybe you hope for a resurrection, but you have no clue what that resurrection looks like. Right? Like there's, it's it's more dim to you then than it is to us now. Like we can look at a at a man raised from the dead, and that's what our hope looks like. So no matter what life throws at us, whether and this is how it happens, right? If you find yourselves looking at believers who are faced with the worst of situations, and you ask yourselves how God and hope in a in a Savior who raises the dead. Right? Because if this body dies and is buried, and it will happen for all of us, right? We will live again. Raised to life. And we know this because we know that it's happened before. And we hold that it will happen again for the rest of us. Those who have faith in the one who death could not hold. Um, so we'll close out, we'll close out with that today. Next week we'll look at um, the final question. Um, why don't angels have an opportunity to repent? Um, we'll, we'll dig into several passages of text for that next week.